Hey, what's going on, guys? Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the John Papaloni Show. Today, I have Lauren Tickner on the show. She is the founder of Impact School. Lauren, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a good one. I know. I think we both are pretty talkative people. Here to share a bunch of value. So let's get it. Absolutely. So I'd like to start off my podcast with a bit of an intro bio of who you are and how you got here. Yeah, so my name is Lauren Ticknam, originally from England in the UK, and I now live in Dubai. My company is called Impact School, and that was born out of me being in the trenches as an online trainer myself, making every mistake that you could possibly imagine. And then I helped for free a couple of people who were friends of mine who had massive, massive audiences in the fitness space. I supported them in getting their online coaching business up and running. And a couple of them made a couple hundred grand in their first month of doing it. And so then I realized, wow, like I think I have a formula here to be able to do this at scale. And I never really intended to get into that business but only when other events started inviting me to speak about scaling online coaching programs and consulting programs did I realize like, okay, maybe there's something to this here. And that's really how I got into what I do today. Which is fantastic. I mean, like typically, uh, you know, we, we go to, we get programmed to go to school, get a good education so we can get a good job and, you know, yada, yada, yada. And that's usually what most people follow, but it's not always for everyone. So where my question is that, like, was that your original plan is to go get a, just a regular job? Was that your original outcome? And, and did things just change? Or did you always know that that regular nine to five was not for you? I always wanted to be the CEO of an asset management company. And that was my goal to achieve by like age 50 or something. And I don't know why I had this goal. Honestly, I, I just loved fund management. And I thought it was really cool. And then I got that job when I was 18, straight out of high school. And within the first couple of weeks, I realized like, okay, I'm totally unemployable, which I honestly should have realized sooner because I got fired from my first job when I was a waitress when I was 16. And I was getting paid like £3.50 an hour or something. So there we go. But with that in mind, I, after working in asset management, I'd already got into university. I just pushed my entry back a year because I wanted this year in in the corporate world to really get that experience under my belt. So I had a great CV and everything. And then I decided, okay, well, I'm supposed to be studying economics and politics at university. But if I do that, I'm just going to land back in this job that I just had that I hated. That was like really, really monotonous and tedious. And so I can't do this. I need my own business. So how about I check the university website and see if I can study sports science? Because I was passionate about fitness and I thought, well, okay, let's get really better, a lot better at fitness. And I realized I didn't study the right things in school that would allow me to do the degree that I wanted because I hadn't have done science. So I was like, crap, what the hell am I going to do? Because I really need to have my own business. And I was literally scrolling the page and I see this thing like UK's number one business degree. And I thought, that's interesting, but they're never going to take me. And then me being me, I phoned them up and my job as well, before I even did that, like kind of uh, job in corporate, I actually did real estate myself. So I would go around to people's houses, just knocking on their doors, trying to get them to sell their house so that we could sell it for them. <laughs> and I used to do hundreds of these all weekend, like Friday evening, all the way through like the end of day Sunday. I was the only one that was working on the weekend doing this. It was terrible, but also a great experience. So I called them up and I said like, 
hey, look, so I've got into this degree. This is my grades that I got. I really want to do this, but like, here's a situation. Would it be crazy for me to ask if I'd be able to switch my degree? And then they were like, okay, you need to do this, this, and this. Like, send us an email with all the details. Tell us about your experience that you've been having in corporate, and we'll see what we can do. And literally, I send the email, and within just less than a week, I was accepted onto the UK's number one business degree. Having, like, I had no reason to be on that thing, you know? Like, I was never an entrepreneurial person. And so I then went there, and in my first day, I went into this massive lecture theater. Can you imagine? You're there by yourself. I didn't know anyone. I'd just been working in corporate. And so I was finally full in a room with so many other entrepreneurial type people. And then they get up on stage and there are these ex-students they've had that have all got these really successful multi-million pound companies. And then they're like, you are the leaders of the next generation. You are the entrepreneurs of the future. And they're doing this like really motivational talk. And I'm so pumped up at that point. And then a few weeks later, I'm in my accounting class and I at the end, go down to the front to speak to the professor because I needed to hire an accountant because I started making some serious money from my fitness business. And so I knew I had to start paying taxes because when you reach mm-hmm. 80,000 pounds, which is like around 100K, or, or I don't know how much it was back then, but it was around 100K USD, you start have to, having to pay this extra 20% tax, VAT. And so I go to the front, I'm like, how do I do this? Like, I need to hire someone. How do I hire someone? They were like, oh, well, Lauren, that's something that you should research on Google. And I was like, what? Like, you're my accounting professor. I need to know how I can hire someone so that I can figure out what I need to do in order to pay my taxes properly. And he's like, yeah, so this is the curriculum for the rest of the year. Like, we're going to be studying UK, like, accounting and investment appraisal and all this stuff. And I'm like, but this is my problem right now. Like, I'm studying business so I can get the help. And he had no idea how I could hire someone who could help me with international taxation because I had clients all around the world. So at that moment, I realized like, holy crap, this guy, he's never had his own business. And then I started to look at all the people who were teaching me and not a single one of them have ever had their own business. And that was the United Kingdom's number one business degree. And it is the equivalent of a master's. So this degree is so good that it's supposedly the equivalent of having like a master's. And I'm just like, what the hell? And so that at that moment, that was when I quit. And then I realized like I need to take matters into my own hands. And that was how I found like the whole online consulting world and online marketing and all of the mentors and gurus in that space. And I started going to their events. I paid 10K to go to a mastermind because I thought, well, I'm not paying for this on uni and I'll get to travel at the same time. I'd made some money in fitness. And uh, yeah, that was when I had a rude awakening about what it really means to run a business. So that was my experience. Which is awesome. And I'm going to say something that's general and it's not always the case, but most times I find the saying that those who can't do teach, right? And then you just kind of prove that stereotype is real. Yeah. So. I it's, it's interesting though, because as well, like sometimes the teachers are the ones who are also doing it actively at the same time. And I think that's a really powerful position to be in because when you can teach what you know and do it at scale, because you're the best in the field, then that's the best thing for everyone because they get to learn from the person that's actually been there and done it. Absolutely. And that, and that's why I said there's it's a stereotype and it applies to most, but not all. Right. Yeah. So, because, but that's cool. Like, so you learn the online world. Now I'm going to like, everyone has a struggle and let's be honest, when you're in a business, nothing is straight up, right? It's like people believe they're going to get into business and it's just going to go up, 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 and it's never coming down. 
when reality is, we know it's this jagged edge that goes up and down all over the place. What was your first uh, struggle and how did you overcome it? My first struggle? <sighs> wow. I often get asked by people, like, if you could go back and do it all again, what would you do differently? And I think the only thing that I would do differently is get my mistakes in a shorter period of time so that I could learn the lessons more quickly. So going back, I honestly, I, it's really hard to remember the first one, but the first one that comes to my mind that was really significant because it was beyond just me was when I hired someone who I DM'd on Instagram to ask a question about affiliate marketing. And then he responded to me a few weeks later and said, Hey, like I have some ideas about what you can do for your business to make this page better. Like, let me edit some videos for you. And he just downloaded all the videos, edited them, made it amazing. And then I ended up hiring him and suddenly like making him like my right hand. <laughs> and I just, it all happened so fast. There was no interview. There was no hiring process, no nothing. And then eventually what ended up happening a few years later, because he did end up working with me for years. And looking back now, it was so chaotic. But at the time it felt normal, right? Because I didn't know any different, but oh my gosh, right, right. like awful. Um, he hacked my podcast, deleted more than 100 episodes of people like Grant Cardone and Ed Milet and Dean Graziosi. And he also deleted my entire website, which meant that my emails were no longer working because he repointed the name service over to himself so that he took Ooh. control of my domain and the entire portal that my clients had access to. This was in the middle of 2020. And so that all came from one ropey hire who I just randomly hired because he did something nice to me. And that is how I learned the lesson that nothing in this world comes for free. And mm. that was a big, big lesson for me. So if ever someone's offering that to me now, I politely decline and I move on straight away unless I know that their values and their intention are pure. Because while he wasn't ever planning to do this, the reason why he went so crazy in the end is because when I did start adding systems and structure to my business, he didn't like it because he was so used to having freedom and control and kind of treating it like it was his own, like, thing right it just wasn't it was kind of like a freelance type of crazy random crap that he was getting right, paid right. To do what the hell he wanted you know and so that was all my fault big lesson as a leader and now i take ownership over everything that happens in my company whether it's good or bad and uh you know yeah that's how it has to be well, there, there you go. So that's a perfect example of resilience because, you know, there's many, many people that would have been just knocked down with that experience where you pretty much got back up and, uh, you know, built up again, basically. Now, did you end up getting all your stuff back or is it, did you really have to start over? This is something that my team and I have been, been debating recently because someone did actually email me a drive full of all of the mp3s that they had downloaded themselves which was so kind that they did and so we're kind of in this position now where like we're considering uploading all of those episodes again but it would be really weird for all of the dates to now be 2022 because some of these are from like i think i started podcasting in 2017 so we would have to edit the intro and outro to kind of explain the situation just for those episodes specifically. So that's something that we're considering doing. We're looking to hire someone for this role who can go ahead and, and, and take on this project. And then what we'll probably do is upload one of them every week alongside our normal episodes. Makes sense. I get that. Now, also, what you know, just like there's challenges, there's also a moment, what I call the aha moment. And that moment is where, like, you know, you went through all this struggle, you went through all this challenge, and you're trying to figure things out. Now you finally get to a spot where you feel like, you know what, 
I'm going the right way. This is it. Now, you know, you still got to scale. You still got to build. You still got to, you know, keep on going because it's about the journey. But it's like, aha, those fears that I've had are gone. And, and, and I got different fears, but I got fears of making it, not fears of failing. What was that aha moment for you? I will never forget the moment where I saw 100K pounds in my bank. It's like this goal that I had for so long. And then I I saw it there. I saw the number. And I like sent a photo to my dad because I was just like, hey, I, I did this. I didn't do it in corporate. Like, check this out. And then he was like, because he calls me Lolly. He's like, congrats, Lolly. And then <laughs> that was it. And then I didn't feel anything like at all. Even the first time, like, I saw, like, a mill, I'm, like, not even phased by it. But the 100K one was, like, a bittersweet moment for me because that was when I really realized, like, what is the point of all this? Like, why am I actually doing this? I felt this money, but, like, what else, you know? And so then I realized I had to have a bigger reason why I was doing the things I was doing. And I think I, I have these moments a lot, even to this day. Like, today... Noor, who's my COO, she's also now a partner at Impact School. She sent me this long last message and she was like breaking down these few areas where I was having concerns. She was like, this area, don't worry, I got this. This area, I need your support, that's your area. But like the rest of it, I got it. And it's like all this stuff that I didn't have these loops closed in my mind because like naturally I'm thinking about everything all the time. Like she's just like, cool, I got this. And I think when there's someone on your team and there's multiple people on your team who are leaders that can take ownership, who care about the company as much as you can. Like for me, that's a really special feeling because for many, many years, I felt very alone in what I was doing, especially because for the longest time, I was also like the face of the company too. And so being able to trust and rely on other people, that for me, it's like gives me goosebumps as I'm talking about it. Like when you're doing something with someone else and it's like a, a journey and a battle that you go in together, rather than it all just being dependent on you, that is amazing, an amazing feeling. And that is, um, I would say, one of the things that I'm the most grateful for at this moment. But yeah, I mean, look, you asked me about like the, the triumphs and the, 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 the terrible moments. I think like, <laughs> as you alluded to earlier, the bad things just get worse and the good things just get better. So there's more polarity between the two. And yeah. I think that's really, that's all that happens at scale. It's just, it's amplified, but also you grow as a leader. So it doesn't really feel any different. That's kind of how I see things now. That makes sense. Now, again, you just highlighted the importance of a team as well, which is fantastic, right? Because I believe you're as strong as your weakest link. Yeah. And yeah, and exactly. And now leaders recognize that. And, I, and that's the thing, right? And I'm sure what ends up happening is like you, you've already illustrated, you've had some bad hires, you've had some good hires. Now, how long does it take you to realize whether your hire was a good or bad? Like what is that grace period before you say, no, this is not going to work out or it is going to work. We've recently really changed our hiring process. So there's actually a full video, which is like 45 minutes, me with my COO on my YouTube channel. Just it's my name, Lauren Tickner, which goes through our hiring process. Cause now what's really interesting is that, we don't really have this problem anymore as of the last year. So we used to kind of know like in the kind of first couple couple days, oh, nah, this person's not going to work out. But we need them so bad. We can't let them go right now. We need to find a replacement because it's so urgent. We should have hired them six months ago. And so what we found is that like when we got really clear on like what actually are our values, 
then we stopped hiring anyone. Like, it was just an immediate, like, no, 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 no chance. It's kind of like you if you're, like, doing <laughs> state stuff or whatever, right? And it's like, okay, this is to buy a, a property that's, like, a, you know, a multifamily unit. Cool, that's good. That's in my criteria. But maybe if someone comes to you with a deal, like, to buy some, like, manufacturing business where it's all, like, machines and stuff, and that's what you're buying, you're like, no, 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 not my thing, not at all. And so for us, it's literally the same thing. Like, that's how we use our values. It's like, if you are not this type of person, we don't even want to talk to you. And we make that very clear in the application. And so that's one thing. But to your point, I think you know. You know on that call. Because we ask specific questions that get people to reveal their values, right? So for, for us, one of our core values is constant progression, right? So we will ask people indirect questions to figure out are they someone that constantly strives for progression? So we'll ask them, what's one area where you're being a little complacent right now? And the people who say something, but then they're like, but I'm also doing this, this, and this to get over that, then we know that they're someone that is still striving for progression, even though we put them on the spot to find out where they're being complacent. And also, if they're like, oh, there's nothing, then they're not self-aware. Because everyone has an area where they're being complacent right now. Like, if you get real at the moment, like, you know what it is really in the deep back back of your mind maybe it's like your social media maybe it's your health and fitness maybe it's your relationship with your partner maybe it's your lack of a relationship with your partner right so like these are all the different things and so that's why like I think it's just really um important to ask questions that get people to reveal what are their values and then once you see that does that align with your company's values because if not it's not worth entertaining them but send them a polite email declining them point them in the right direction as to what you think they would be good at and then move on. Right. It makes sense. Right. And it's all about decision-making. So it reminds me of a saying that I had is that if you're doing the same thing at 40 that you did at 20, then the problem is you. (laughs) Unless you love it it and it makes you the money that you want. Yeah. Well, I meant, you know, well, yeah, usually I meant that saying in terms of like, if you're struggling with the same things and you just keep repeating But yeah, so same concept. But I love it. I love your answer. So like, what is your overall value of Impact School? Like, like what, are, what are those core values? What, like, what is your mission statement, should I say? Yeah, so it's funny. This is something that we were really, really refining over, I would say, like the last, especially like the last half of the year, because I think, I think sometimes you think like, oh, yeah, so I'm in business to help people double their revenue, or I'm in business so that people can like, get out of the day to day and scale things like that but then when you really like analyze other people's like vision statements of their companies to and, and their mission statements of their companies you realize like it's it's actually positioned in a very very different manner and so we first had to think what are our values because i always thought my values are freedom and fulfillment right because like i i always say these things and that's how i live my life because i had when i was having my fitness business i started selling these fitness programs and i sold thousands of them And I didn't, and although I had a life of freedom, I didn't have fulfillment because I didn't feel the impact of what I was doing because it wasn't high ticket stuff for a period of time. And so I didn't have that intimate relationship. And then I realized like, you know, what's really interesting is like, that's my personal values, but in my company, what do I actually value? And so it became very apparent, first of all, constant progression, right? Like we want people on the team that live and breathe what they do. That's something else, right? Because we analyze everyone on our team And we realized we had to make some decisions about who we had to let go. Because the people that that, that live and breathe what they do, they are always striving to get that little bit better. 
And they're also, which is another one, they're also self-accountable. And they enjoy 360 accountability, which means that not only do they hold themselves accountable, but they also hold others accountable and they're being and they're willing to accept being held accountable by somebody else. Because that's another big one, because I think when you have this aim of like freedom and when you're in the similar space to where we're at, which is helping people change lives globally and having this online business or this business that is able to support clients all around the world, then there is that element of freedom. And so some people think that they're getting into this game so they can live the laptop lifestyle and work on the beach while pissed out of their mind, which isn't cool when you're serving clients, right? So um, we have our mission, which is we really are in this game to empower the world's best businesses to, uh, to, to change lives globally. Like we want people to come to us because they want to change those lives globally. That's why we're in business. And then we have a three-year vision and 10-year vision too. They're two different things. Um, so when it comes to the three-year vision, we we are working towards becoming the only sensible option for companies that want to deliver life-changing results globally. Um, and then our 10-year vision is slightly different because that is actually on a, on a much larger scale because we want to become a business of businesses that change lives globally. So that's kind of the aim in which we're going for so that then we can use Impact School as the engine to fuel the growth and development of various different companies in which we own. So then we sit as the, you know, the owner of these different businesses and obviously we're in consulting, so we know how to grow the company. So yeah, that's the difference. And I think only once I got really, really clear on that, did it become really easy for me to start saying no to different opportunities um, because I was very much like, well, this doesn't align with where I want to be in 10 years. So it's easy to say no to now because I don't want to sacrifice my ultimate vision in favor of a shiny pot of gold. Makes sense. Now, was there ever a hesitation? Like, I mean, obviously you're good at pivoting. You're, you're finding, you know, things and you're finding loopholes and openings and opportunities and, and you're finding what's not work and working or what doesn't align with you. And I'm sure there's been stuff out there, like you said, that you can, it could be profitable, but it doesn't align with you. So you're good at pivoting, but it has there ever been that hesitation where you're like, Hmm, it's hard to give this up or, or is that, has it been just an easy switch and you don't think about it? How do you deal with that? Oh no, it's the hardest thing in the world to say no to opportunities. I think entrepreneurs want to say yes to everything because they have such a big vision. And so I always get these deals come to me where I could easily make a couple mil. And if I said yes, it might take me, you know, a few hours per week to do this thing. But that's going to distract me from achieving what I ultimately want to achieve. And it's not about time. It's about energy. And so if my energy is going here, then by the time that I get on this task, I'm already going to be tired, which means from going from 100%, I'll be like 70%, which means that my output will be lower and I may even begin to resent it. And so... I find it really hard to say no to opportunities. My gosh, it's the hardest thing in the world for me. This is like my weakness, right? I'm like, yeah, I'm like, yeah. a, I'm like, a, 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 I used to be overweight. So I'm like me when I was overweight, when I see a piece of chocolate, right? Like I can't say no, but that's where it comes down to having people around me that hold me accountable because yes, like I'm self accountable and I'm aware of my vision, but at the same time, like sometimes the intrinsic motivation is what it's, it's waning, right? And so I have to have my team. So for example, Noor, that's why I brought her on as a partner at Impact School, because then she's also, a, you know, a co-owner of the company. And then she's able to hold me accountable. And um, I, I allow my team to hold me accountable too, like my assistant and everything. 
And so that's where they will just be like, look, Lauren, I get it, but like, we can't do this right now. And so, yeah. Right. That makes sense. Love it. Now, again, you're, you're talking about accountability. Now in the beginning, did you have a coach or a mentor or were you always, you know, on your own that way until you built up your team? Yeah. So when I was, I remember the first time I, <laughs> I was making like, I don't remember how much, but I saw, I was scrolling on Facebook and I saw this ad for a mastermind, right? This was in the fitness industry. It was designed for people who were building fitness brands. And um, it was like, you're invited. So I thought I was like special, right? <laughs> I didn't know anything about marketing back then. So I see like the application page and like I'm scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And I get down and I see that the person's 10K, right? And I'm like, what? It's like my whole hopes and dreams have just been destroyed. Because as well, this was in LA and I'd never been to LA before. And I was like, oh my gosh, but I could have, you know, traveled and done all this stuff. And then I remember I was actually going to London the following day. So like I closed the page, whatever, I guess they obviously pixeled me and I get hit with the ad again. And so I'm sat in this, it was either a coffee shop or a co-working space. And basically I'm like, I'm trying to remember like exactly where I was and what happened, but long story short, I ended up sitting next to this guy that was an entrepreneur. And so he turns to me and he's like, are you good? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. And he was this American guy. And he's like, what's up? Like, you seem super stressed. I guess I was like charging around the room on a call or something. I honestly can't quite remember. I need to like try and, uh, I'm like trying to write a book at the moment and I'm really trying to like remember these things vividly. But basically what ended up happening was like, he told me all about his success, et cetera, et cetera. And how he had been to a bunch of events and now what had changed his life. And so I, in that moment, I knew what I had to do. Like, I knew I had to invest. And I had the money. It's not like I didn't have the money, right? Like, I had it. I just didn't want to spend it. And he said <laughs> to me, like, you know, that's the whole point of being in business, right? Like, you invest in your business so that you grow. You just don't have investors. So this is your own money that you've made before that you just put into your business. Like, you don't have to buy a shop or something. So why don't you just invest in building the assets so that now you have something that you can scale? It's like, holy crap. Like, you make so much sense. So I bought this um, ticket and then I was like, shoot, now I have to buy the flights and the hotel. And like the cheapest hotel in the area was like 150 bucks a night, which for me back then was like so expensive. And so anyways, I go to this event. I swear to God, like this changed my life forever. Because everyone in the room, was they were all doing seven figures minimum. Me back then, like, I don't know. I wasn't there. And so I, but I had a, a decent sized audience on social media, which is why I think, because after you put down like the deposit, they didn't run your card until you actually applied for the event and like um got accepted right so i didn't i i think i only got accepted because i had like a decent social media audience and they probably thought i was making more than i was um even though on the application i told them but yeah so that was kind of funny um and so that was that but up until that moment i actually didn't know about the world of business coaches i would hired fitness coaches and i always used to see people say like all great coaches have coaches and I thought they meant like all fitness coaches have fitness coaches. I didn't realize like about business coaching or like hiring consultants and stuff. So for the longest time, I would just like hire agencies. Um, and it wouldn't necessarily work for me because they were only working on one area of the business. They weren't helping me in all areas. So that was interesting. So yeah, like I've hired so many people since then. I mean, it must be getting close to seven figures that I've invested into coaching and consulting and experts to support me with things maybe even higher honestly I would have to run the numbers but 
yeah, I mean, I love the industry and I think it's really important. And um, I think in order, I just like to buy jobs, right? Because someone's been there and done it before me. Like, why would I spend so much time trying to figure it out myself or trying for someone on my team to figure it out? when like I can just hire someone who can work with that person on my team and then they just get it done in like a week. So that's how I prefer to do things now. Makes total sense. I love that story. I mean, and I believe that. I mean, nobody does anything alone and succeeds. So, and then there's the proof in that. So with that being said, I mean, like I consider you, from everything I've seen, I consider you a high achiever, high producer. And you kind of have that same, you know, mindset that I do where it's like, I'm always go, 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 get started, you know no better time than now. And um, with that being said, you probably have a chaotic schedule as well. And I'm sure in the beginning, things started where they were all over the place and you're trying to scramble. But I'm sure at this point in time, you're at the level now where it's just like scrambling is not the case. How do you schedule your day and week? And like, what's the process of your day-to-day activity? I honestly don't have a chaotic schedule at all. I don't really have anything on my calendar, like at all. Like this is pretty rare. So I'll go on podcasts. Usually I try and do them all on the same day. So I've been on a few today. Um, but other than that, like I have space on my calendar. And so my COO, Nor, as well, she gives me direction. Like, hey, Lauren, like you can do this. I got this, like that. And um, so my main time right now is spent on training my sales team and just coaching them to just always get better so that then I basically don't really have to like I get involved with sales but more from the angle of coaching my sales team and that's really nice because like that's my zone of genius also we are hiring a lot of people at the moment and so I'm just ensuring that I do final stage interviews but like Nor will just make sure that that's during the times that I like she knows the times that I like and so it might sound like I'm doing nothing I'm doing a lot but it's more like stuff that I need to be doing such as training the sales team you know, making sure that um, making sure that our product is exactly how it needs to be in order to scale even further. And um, I spend a good amount of time like speaking to other people who are ahead of me and above me. And so just, yeah, just kind of sharing strategies that work for each of us just to get one little piece of insight can make, you know, if a, a 1% difference, like a 1% change of the angle can change like everything. So that's also something. So I don't do anything crazy for my calendar. I don't have a morning routine. I don't have an evening routine. I go to the gym pretty much most days around three or four hours after I've been working or I take a walk. So I'll train like four or five times a week weight training. I like to listen to audio books or podcasts while I'm in the gym, but I really don't have a schedule. I don't like to have a schedule. I like to be in bed asleep before 10. That's the only real real thing that I'm like pretty particular about. But if I'm doing fun because like I really want to be doing it and I'm actually having a good time and I'm not just like there for the sake of being there then I will you know screw the schedule and do the thing right so I think I'm super unattached to those things for years I tracked my macros and had a crazy morning routine hypnosis and meditation and yoga and all this stuff but then I would get to like 11 in the morning and all I'd done was exercise or personal development which wasn't allowing my business to grow and then my team would be waiting on things and it just wasn't good for the growth of the company. So now I did all that stuff for a long time. Did it make a difference? Probably subliminally on the back of my mind subconsciously. Um, but now I just get to work. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, right? So in a way you probably don't realize it, but you do have a schedule, but it's your own schedule. Like you have a system is what I'm trying to say. 
Like, oh, like yeah. your own system and you have a process. Like you said, you batch things. So you spend a day and you know that day or whatever it is that you're doing it, you're batching it, right? So, and, and, and coaching your uh, salespeople is part of your, your system, right? So yeah. it's there. It's just not in paper, <laughs> but it's there in a sense. And it's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every, I mean, look, everything that we do is all about, because what we do with companies is we help them add million dollar systems, right? So that they can scale. But on that side of things, yeah, I just think that there is this big, big misconception that like entrepreneurs need to have this crazy routine. Oh, and no, definitely I, not. Yeah, I just don't think that's the case. But as well, like, I, I don't know. I just, I, we have this framework at Empire School, which is VILE. So it's V I L E, vital, important, luxury, and eliminate. And so I kind of do things in the day based around that. So, like, the vital stuff I do first thing in the morning which for me typically is either checking in on the sales team, seeing how they're doing, aligning them for the day, um, or it's writing copy. And then the important I'll get to later on in the day, the luxury stuff, like I mean, maybe I'll talk about that with Noor to see like when should we schedule this for? And then the E is eliminate, like the eliminate stuff just shouldn't be being done. <laughs> so Great system. Love that. Now I want to uh, get down to two more questions before I go into the lightning round. One question is, how do you know that you've had a successful day? Oh, I just feel so good. Like, it's this feeling of fulfillment. And that's for me personally, for the company. The company's had a successful day. My main marker of that is, like, have we had some really great client testimonials that have come in? And also, how much cash have we collected? So those are two metrics that we really look for. And the third one that we look for is just, like, t overall team satisfaction, like, are the team cheering each other on? Are they supporting each other? Like, is there no drama, right? And typically drama doesn't get to me because I have a, another system which is to protect me from that so I can stay in my zone of genius, do things like this, coach sales team, et cetera. Um, so like those are the three things that we look. But for me personally, it's like, yeah, just, you know that feeling after you've had the best day and you just feel so fulfilled yeah. and like everything's going right or maybe things haven't been going right, but you feel like you've tackled some really challenging problems like for me, that's a day that's been a good day. That's awesome. Now, last question is, where do people find you online? Yeah, just type my name in Lauren Tickner, L-A-U-R-E-N-T-I-C-K-N-E-R. And my main place to reach me that's the easiest is if you just message me on Twitter or Instagram. But like, you're probably going to get my team if it's on IG. But if it's on Twitter, it will most likely be me. And yeah, that's where you can find me. Impact School is just on Instagram, impact underscore school. Or just type it into Google, you'll find it. And yeah, if you want any support, you know how to reach out, just send a message and uh, we can see if we can help you scale. Fantastic. Now in the little lightning round with just like a few uh, fun questions. Yep, so question one, what is your favorite food and why? I love filet steak and it's Ooh. just so yummy and it's very nutritious as well. Good answer. That's a great one. Favorite vacation spot? I really, really love Tulum in Mexico. But then as well, even though I live there, I absolutely love Dubai. And I would advise anyone to go and visit. I've thought about it. I've never been, but I hear so many good things about it. We're probably going to do an event there as well, once per year. So, hey, maybe that's your opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Keep me in, uh, in touch with that one. Yeah, yeah. So, and third one is, said vacation. Uh, third one was, what is your favorite podcast? 
<laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. It really depends on the season that I'm in. But I think I have to say how I built this by Guy Raz. I really love this one. I also love Ed Milet's one as well. Like I've interviewed him a couple of times and he's just such a great guy. Honestly, he's such a genuine, amazing, amazing yeah. person. But, you know, obviously the Impact School podcast is the best one. <laughs> 100%, of course. <laughs> and lastly, but not leastly, what was your uh, favorite book and uh, why? What was your takeaway with it? I'm an audiobook person, so I listen on Audible. And again, with books, like I think you hear the lesson that you need the most in the moment. So sometimes when you listen or read a book, you know you listen to or read a book like what ends up happening is you don't take on what you really need to take on and so if I really really think about it like I think the book that genuinely probably has shifted my mind the most is by Patrick Lencioni and the, it's called the five dysfunctions of a team and the first time I listened to it I didn't really get the information but then when I re-listened to it another time because my team was in chaos and like when all that stuff was going on, I took on the lessons and I just applied them immediately. And so I think that's when it really is like, I don't necessarily listen to like, because I used to do, I tried this one thing for a year. I did a book a week and I also did this other thing, which was 30 books, 30 days, which was cool. And I gained a lot of information, but like not a lot of it hit. And so then only like a few years later did I realize, uh, I should revisit that book because I remember this thing and then I listened to it and it's like, holy crap, how didn't I hear that last time? Because you have to, it's like, I always say to my team, like at Impact School, we can't tell the client what the aha moment is. We have to allow them to have the aha moment for themselves and you do that through asking questions or when they're in the moment, they realize, oh shit, I should have actually listened to them, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. Absolutely love this. I want to say thank you for being on the show. This has been incredible, insightful, and yeah, and there's a lot of value in this. Yeah, that was fun, John. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this. And uh, yeah, I'm glad that we finally got to connect. <laughs> for sure. If you like what you've seen and you want to see more episodes, click on the link below.